All right, number six of the podcast already. Uh, I'm going to do things a little differently this time. Uh, thanks to some great advice from a mtbr.com forum uh, member, AZ to AU. He's just a guy like me who likes mountain biking. Uh, he's out in Arizona in the southwest of the United States. And he gave me some great tips and things that he thinks uh, I could do better on. So shout out to him. I'd like to get him on here and chat with him because I really, really enjoyed riding in Arizona the few times that I've been there. And I'd like to get some kind of insights from that part of the country. Totally different than where I live. Uh, so we're going to do some things called interesting tidbits, racing news and views, hot and not so hot, and changing gears. That's going to be the, uh, on the menu for this week. So here we go. This is Short Travel Magazine. Short Travel Magazine. Racing news and views. Okay, well, World Championships are over. That's no fun. That's pretty good. Pretty good week of racing. Uh, I certainly enjoyed it. Kind of was secretly hoping for some rain to kind of mix things up, but it's better for the races, I'm sure, that it stayed pretty dry. Um, so the World Cup gets going again next week. The 25th will be in Andorra, which I basically think of as Spain, even though it's not Spain, it's in its own country, uh, Valnord. It's been, they've had the race there a few times before, and it seems to be that's where everybody went right after the World Champs, based on uh, Instagram posts. Everybody seems to be in Andorra for the week, uh, actually be about two weeks, which makes sense, get uh, get going. I think somebody would want a break and go home for a while, but uh, that's okay. Um, we're going to head over to France then. Uh, the now the UCI site says September 7th through 17th. That's 10 days for a World Cup, even with downhill. I'm not exactly sure what that's all about because they usually split downhill out on its own date if it's the week before uh, the cross country. So I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, so it could be any of those two weeks. And then... Back to the U.S. again for the last couple of years. Snowshoe at the very last uh, weekend in September the 29th and October 1st. I am not going again this year. I went in 2019. Really, really had a great time. Then COVID, of course, hit and I didn't go. And I really was going to go this year, but something has come up. Two things uh, I won't bore you with, but... There's a race I've been doing, the longest running one to be um, since 94, so almost 30 years. Just a local, kind of a fundraiser type of a thing uh, up in southern Wisconsin. They don't do anything else throughout the year. It's just somewhere I like to go and ride. But they do this one thing. I've, I've always used it as kind of a guide to see where I'm at for the year. Kind of focus on that the whole year. It gives me motivation to get out there and keep my uh, riding up. Uh, I, my goal someday was always to get on the podium. I've I've never gotten close. I mean, the closest I think I've gotten is 7th or ninth. I can't recall. 
think I'm at 56 years old. I think I'm probably past my prime. They don't do it by age group. It's pretty much all ages go uh, at once. So I don't know. Last year I did get ninth and I had allergies horribly and I didn't even ride my bike for a few weeks before. And I still, you know, was a top 10. And for me, that's really good. So uh, I, this year I'm definitely in no better shape than any other year. So I'm not expecting, I expect a little worse even. But anyway, it happens to be the exact same weekend as Snowshoe. And I was really, I even asked the guy who puts on the race uh, if he could do it the week before. Because it's usually the last weekend in September. And since this one is all the way at the 29th, I kind of thought maybe he could move it up a week to the 22nd. So all of us diehard cross-country people, there has to be more than just me at these races, would like to go. Could go, but uh, for whatever reason, they, of course, ignore me, and I don't blame them. So it was one or the other. So I'm going to do, and I'm in a band, a cover band, Don't Laugh. And we just got a really huge gig that we've been trying to get and sure enough it's on that same day as my race and snowshoe so that kind of sealed the deal i'm not going anywhere um that weekend except for local race then the uh very next weekend up to mont saint anne and that's the end so gonna be kind of a nice packed in month like month and a half uh and because then there's not a whole lot going on. So the Swiss Cup, which I also like to follow, even though I can't understand any of the announcers when they uh, post the videos, is still has a race this weekend. So I'm assuming there's going to be some of the racers. I know a few of them already mentioned on their Instagram that they are going to uh, go ahead and do that race before the uh, 25th. So... We got that one, and their finishes on the 23rd of September. So again, right in between the World Cup. So the actual uh, Europe, uh, certainly the Swiss racers will have a very busy September, basically every weekend, all the way through um, August. I mean, uh, October, 1st of October. So interesting. So let's talk about where we're at as far as rankings go. I check this a few times a year. It doesn't really concern me a whole lot at this stage unless somebody's, you know, really far ahead and and then it's really boring. But there's two rankings. There's the World Cup, of course, the actual World Cup series. And then there's the overall UCI, what they call, you know, overall ranking. And right now, the overall UCI ranking Nino Scherter is number one. 1,467 points. Lars Forster is number two. Now, that surprised me. I mean, I know he won earlier in the year, but usually you got to be up pretty far up there each time, and I haven't really been paying that much attention, but he's only 35 points away, so he's got 1,432. Uh, Jordan Saru, number three, he's at 1,304, and Alan Hatherley, so... At 1279. So that's actually quite close, the top four. And Joshua Dubow, uh, number five at 1190. So the top five, certainly the top two, are extremely close. It's interesting. Luca Schwartz, Bauer down seven. Um, 
kind of interesting. I, for some reason, I thought Pidcock would be up farther. He's all the way down in 34. He's got 784 points. Farther down than I thought. I mean, I know usually if you win at least one, you're kind of uh, kind of doing good on the rankings. Now, the actual World Cup, not the uh, XCC, the full uh, XCO. Nino is number one, 848 in Jordan. Uh, Saru is 726. So Nino's got a 122-point lead. It's not great, but it's not five points. Alan Hatherley is up there at 721. So second and third is five points away. And Luca Schwartzbauer is only three points behind Alan in fourth at 718. And then you got uh, Matthias Flickiger and Lars Forster and the usual kind of uh, no Pidcock. He didn't uh, apparently... Just that one wasn't going to do it. So Nino could, I can't really imagine him not winning the overall. If he's got a lead already, he may not necessarily, although he could, certainly win another one or two. But I, he, you know he's going to be up in the top five, I would imagine, if not top three, the next three or four races. So that would be kind of cool to see him win again. Uh, interesting. So there is a difference between overall and, and the World Cup rankings. But to me, the World Cup is kind of the one I follow because the overall rankings are, you know, take into account all the other events that these riders do, local ones that are, you know, UCI uh, certified events and all that. So that's kind of cool. Um I wish I had some U.S. racing news. The one series we do have here called the U.S. Pro XCT, which is, a, in my opinion, a ridiculous name. It used to be called the Norba. Everybody could say Norba. So we need we need a... I'll start a petition to rename... If we're going to have any kind of series at all, let's rename it something catchier than U.S. Pro XCT. I don't even know what that means. Um, that ended in June. April to June, which makes absolutely no sense, other than they couldn't get any uh, good weekends in because of the World Cups and all these other events with the lifetime. I don't know, but April to June seems awful early. Uh, so I don't even follow that. I've looked up who won some of them. It was kind of cool, but um, that that the U.S. racing scene in the cross country, uh, kind of a big dud. I don't know if that'll ever get back to the way it was. Probably not. Um, as far as the local racing, I, of course, follow the Wisconsin Off-Road Series. Off-Road, what do they call it? Off-Road? Yeah, whatever it is. Um, there's only one more left. That's not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. I will do that. It's at one of my favorite uh, venues. Tons of climbing. I don't know why I like it, because I'm not a climber. I suck at climbing. But this particular place is kind of cool. I'm actually going to do something I have not done in years. I'm going to bring my whole family. We're going to stay at the resort uh, that's nearby from Friday through Monday. So I get to actually do something I don't think I've done in eons at a Wisconsin race. It's pre-ride the course the day before. So Saturday I'm going to get up, give it a couple laps. Uh, that'll be something I always wanted to do, so... And then I can just chill out, race on Sunday, and then we can just swim or whatever. So I actually am looking forward to that one. 
And then um, Shawamagon, September 16th. I'm not doing that. I did that once, I think I said earlier. I'd like to do that again next year. And, of course, Iceman Cometh uh, is in November, and I'm on the wait list. So there's a probably not a very good chance I'm going to make it this year. There's still hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people ahead of me. I don't even have a place to stay, so if I don't get in this year, I'm not going to worry about it very much. I'll try again next year in March when you're supposed to sign up for these things. What else? One other interesting thing coming up, the Pan American Cup. For some reason, I like following that because it's North America, I believe, Canada. Well, I mean, that is North America, I believe, Mexico, and then Puerto Rico, and some of, it's not all of South America, obviously, but the Pan Am, as they call it around here. So it's, you know, a bunch of countries, kind of a championship. Uh, they award, you know, jerseys or gold medals and all that. So it's coming to Utah. So I might actually drive out there next year just to kind of see. It brings out the best uh, kind of the of the American riders, that's for sure. I know Kate Courtney's always doing that, and Emily Batty used to always go to that, and so we'll see. Um, Utah is the most beautiful place around, in my opinion, so any excuse that I have to haul the family out there next year, I probably will do that because it doesn't come around all that often. So got a busy week for me and then a busy month and a half, and then there's a huge lull for me. I do that one race end of September, and then I wait until the fat bike racing begins, which some years is in October. This last year maybe was mid-November through like March. Um, so I actually like those because they're, I like the challenge of the weather being an unknown, super cold, super snowy, whatever, icy sometimes. So that's usually how I finish my year. Now I am seriously considering going to the Trek cross cup uh, even though i don't have a bike i won't race but it said all of uh team trek factory racing not all but it mentioned specifically the team uh their cross-country team will be there i'm assuming most of them would be racing maybe vlad and uh anton cooper maybe not since they have incredible uh, distances to fly but Certainly, uh, I bet Yolanda Neff and Evie Richards, they've been there in the past. So that'd be kind of cool uh, just to see them and hang out. It's a great, great place to watch a race. It's very, very kind of tight, so you can see everything pretty easily. And it's a cool course. I've ridden it on the fat bike many times. So that's the racing news for now. Let's keep going. Interesting tidbits. Curated just for you. All right. A couple interesting things that I kind of uh, discovered in the last week or so. First of all, um, I've always wanted to play around for real with tire pressures and the air pressure in my fork and taking my bar ends off. I'll get into that some other episode. It's a real sore spot for me. I love my bar ends but I notice I just don't use them that much during a race. So I've been experimenting with riding without them. So what I did is I went to, there's a race coming up Sunday in two days for me. 
It's at a location here outside of Chicago in the Burbs. That ha I don't think they've ever had a race there. It's new trail system. I'd never been there. So I went over there last Saturday by myself and took my shock pump, took uh, grips, took all the tools, took um, tire pressure gauge, all that stuff in my pump. And I actually did a, it's a very long lap. That's why it's going to be a very weird race. It's one... It's just going to be one lap. But it took about an hour and 15 minutes to do a lap. So I did a lap with my normal pressures and normal bar ends. And then I started dumping the air out of the tires because it felt very harsh. And I was started playing around with the shock uh, tuning. I wanted to try and see if I could get it even softer, the front and rear shock. So I did that, took off the bar ends. I did it. I put on some regular grips and then I did a whole nother lap and I'd like to go back and do it a couple more times because it really did make a difference. My second lap with less pressure in the fork and uh, three or four PSI in the tires, it actually felt noticeably smoother. Uh, it was a ton of little bumps and tree roots and little rocks, very bumpy because it's a new trail. It's not doesn't have that smooth, uh, broken-in feel. It's got a million little um, stumps from, like, thick, mini little trees and things that they kind of just left them in the middle of the trail. So I, that got me thinking, you know what? I can see now why these pros <laughs> spend all the time tweaking these things, because it actually did make a little bit of a difference. I could feel feel it much less, all the little bumps. So... I'm going to do that again. I suggest anybody that's ever uh, thought about that. I'm going to do it in two weeks at that uh, pre-ride. I'm going to bring all my equipment. I'm going to take a lap. And then I'm going to start adjusting things just for that particular. I, I was looking at the O-ring on my fork to see if I was getting how much travel I was getting. This particular course was uh, last week wasn't very gnarly. So I probably only used three quarters of the travel on my fork. But this one... Uh, after that is really nice. It's got rock gardens and huge drop-offs. So I'll see if I can't actually tweak things to try and get as much travel as I can. So I suggest anybody that ever wanted to do that, just go ahead and do it. You may discover something. I wrote it down in my little, on my phone uh, as a reminder. So now I have an official race day settings to start with and then uh, regular settings that I use during the week when I'm not on the trail. So that's pretty cool. That was my interesting tidbit. So let's move on. Changing gears. More new stuff we don't really need. All right. Changing gears is what it sounds like. It's a gear talk. I love gear. I love new bike parts. I don't always buy them when they first come out, but I certainly like following all the news. I probably read 10 websites a day trying to keep up with what's coming out. Something... uh I mentioned in a previous episode the new uh, secret, if you will, it was the Axis uh, Pod Controller, the, the SRAM Axis Pod Controller. I, like I said, I bought the, I have old the old SRAM Axis system and the original controller, which I absolutely love. I love it more. I use it. It makes my thumb fits right in that little area and up and down piece of cake. Uh, but when I first got it, I thought, oh, you know what? This new thing looks smaller and lighter and 
two buttons, so I grabbed it and I immediately hated it. I missed that third button that you can, it's not a third button, but the third position where you can use your index finger while you're over the grips to hit the back of the controller and downshift or upshift. Uh, I thought, man, how could they leave that off? That's the best part. Um, so I noticed uh, a couple World Cups ago of Nino crossing the line on one of his laps and I could see his index fingers tapping between the lever and the, the brake lever and the grip tapping down to shift gears. I thought, now how is he doing that? Uh, and then I realized he had a, some, I saw a few weird photos, he had some type of new version of that thing. Even though the other one had just come out, he'd already had a different version of it. And now there's a photo I saw, a perfectly clear, zoomed in, I mean, I don't know, no more spy shots. This thing, somebody just went up to a bike, took a picture, and it looks, it's not as quite as large as the original, but it's the exact same design, where it's kind of a U-shape, if you will, where your thumb fits in, with a, and it's got a much larger, like a wing, popping off the back. That's clearly so you can hit that and pivot that which would be the equivalent of the top button on the controller. So they're bringing that back. If they do that, I might actually try it again because it is quite a bit smaller and lighter on the bars. So it's not swappable left and right. I know that was one of their bragging points. Oh, the new pod can be swapped. Well, this one, I don't see how that's possible, but I don't really care about that. So I got that is definitely caught my eye. Of course, the new Fox Fork with the reverse arch has been making some waves. It's already been out there. It's already raced at the Marathon Worlds and a few other places. Uh, it looks weird to me because I'm, you know, so used to seeing it the other way. Honestly, I know I'm not alone. I never really, I kind of abandoned Manitou Forks when they went to that reverse arch. First of all, they were getting heavier and heavier and heavier in a less cross-country oriented uh, as they were going so I would probably abandon them anyway but I really I that just doesn't look great to me is it stiffer probably is there other benefits oh, I'm sure the engineers would say yes visually it looks wrong always has to me always will that's I don't know what causes that but the fact that Fox is already using it on their gravel fork which I kind of wrote that off. Hey, that's a unique uh, frame, you know, the relationship between the frame and fork. It's kind of tucked in there. But my guess is they're going to, the new 32 and 34s will probably have that. And then suddenly that might be in again. DT Swiss abandoned it because um, they kind of, they bought the Pace fork line back in the day and Pace out of the UK used a rear arch. So I don't know. I think it's coming back. I didn't realize that Manitou had a patent that ended in 2021 on that rear arch design. So I'm assuming that's why many people didn't try it. And now that the patent's over, I guess it's open season on rear arch. So keep an eye out for that. Of course, the hollow crown uh, air chamber rumor has already been mentioned uh, on some websites. Uh, that to me makes... I mean, the, the crowns are so small. How much actual air could that be adding? Maybe, you know, maybe there is a reason to do that. It just sounds cool. 
from a marketing, hey, look at our fork. We've got more air in the crown. It does sound cool as bragging rights, but I don't know. Seems like something probably uh, overkill. What do I know? I'm no engineer. And, of course, there's a strange patent of SRAMs shifting with a glove, where the glove has an electronic pack on it, wireless, and fingertips of the thumb and index finger and next finger have little sensors and you tap your fingers together while holding on the grip to shift or you flick your fingers forward to do something that there's so many weird ideas of having to wear special gloves with batteries in them and shifting like that I don't know it means you can't just jump on jump on a bike and ride it without special gloves ah that seems like a tough sell i mean i i understand where they're going they're trying all kinds of things electronics and wireless they should be experimenting with this stuff but that one seems weird and who knows might come out with it anyway everybody may love it so keep an eye out for something there in the next couple years and lastly a bike not many people probably read realize exists outside of the upper Midwest. Uh, the Atso from Wolf Tooth, uh, Atso Voitech fat bike, it happens to be the one I use, um, is really, what do they do, 20% off now. Not a sale, permanent price reduction. And some rumors on the street say there's a new model coming, which would make sense. That thing is really old. It's been around for, in the world of bikes, for eons. They've repainted it a million times. Same exact frame fork. I got no problem. I have the original model. Um, the whole reason I bought it was the uh, 177 rear end width. So the cube factor on my cranks are not much wider than my normal mountain bike. And it's really helped me a lot with my knees and, and uh, stuff. So I, I'm happy with it. I'm assuming they're going to come out with a new one just to get uh, the UDH. So you can run the SRAM transmission on there. Every frame in the universe now has to come out with a UDH rear uh, derailleur mount so maybe they'll tweak a few things I just pray they do not mess with the 177 rear end even though everybody's quit making the hubs for one side it's very hard you know to get them now except for the cheapy ones or the uh, the i9s or you know onyx something like that but just everyday DT hubs they're they're done making them last batch of those are coming out and then they're done for good so that doesn't look good, but so let's see what happens with that. I'd be up for a new frame um, and fork if they do something kind of cool. We'll see what happens. So that's it for changing gears. Hot and not so hot. And finally, hot and not so hot, as I like to call it. I want to uh, call out the... GCN Plus, Discovery, whatever you want to call it. The, um, you know, how they've handled this season of racing. There's so much talk, good and bad, and hopefully it would be good when Red Bull uh, no longer was going to show the free races. I So I'm calling it hot. I think they've done a great job. I like the world champs. Uh, they had Ali Beckinsdale, a top UK racer. He really knew his stuff. I mean, he was in there. He knew everything. So Josh Carlson, I think, is his name. He's clearly not an XC-only guy. 
looks more like an enduro downhill type guy, but he certainly knows his stuff. He's enthusiastic. I like Kate. I don't know. Kate is cool. Um, she she did uh, a lot of soccer, football, whatever they call it over there, announcing on uh, Eurosport, and she's been around, but I think she's doing a great job. She's kind of learned everybody's names, and now that we're three or four or five events in, I, I, I think it's great. I'm very happy with it. Now, I already was paying for GCN+, Plus, so it's not like it cost me anything extra. Um, it's not a cost thing. It's Is it enjoyable? Do I look forward to these races just as much as when they were in Red Bull? And indeed I do. I miss Rob. Rob Warner was the coolest. But, uh, you know, maybe someday when his Red Bull contract is up or something, who knows, maybe him and Bart will make a return. Um, Bart is still in there during the regular World Cups, which is cool. It just kind of gives you a little nod to the past. But honestly, I'm not sure they even need him anymore. I think they could do uh, how they did the world champs with those guys. I'd be happy with that. So, what's not? Well, the fact that you got to pay for it. I've already thought how cool it was that it was free. And there's a couple things that aren't so wonderful about it. That intro 15 minutes or so sometimes is painful. They just go on and on trying to fill time. I don't think they need 15 minutes, 20 minutes of course previews and just talking back and forth. I kind of would like them to talk to a few of the racers, quickly show the course, and get right into it. So it's a hot and a not, but it's mainly a hot. So look forward to that coming back again in the next week or two. All right, that's it for this particular one. I'm going to try it again next week. Keep going. Thanks. Thank you ever so much for listening to Short Travel Magazine. 